Hi there, I'm Kim. I'm Hillary. You're watching the Frame of Mind Coaching Podcast. Hi there, welcome to the Frame of Mind Coaching Podcast. Hey Kim, how's it going today? Fantastic, how are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. So I wanted to start off with something a little bit different. Um, we have a bunch of new listeners and uh, I don't think they know your story. So let's tell them a little bit about how you got into coaching, how you created and why you created Frame of Mind Coaching. Tell us a little bit about that. Wow, that's a big question. Mm. <laughs> so I was always interested in leadership. Ever since I was a kid, I was involved in uh, students council. I used to go to leadership events uh, throughout my university career. I studied leadership in my undergraduate program in psychology and in my MBA. I also studied leadership. It was just an area that was very, very fascinating to me. And then uh, I am a, what you would call a serial entrepreneur. And so before this business, I owned another business. It was called Upward Motion. And mm -hmm. what we used to do is build simulation-based assessments. And the purpose of those assessments was to help companies make better hiring decisions. And so we built assessments for a variety of industries, for a variety of jobs and roles. And we collected a, a ton of data. And what we were really looking for is what is the key differentiator between top performers and other people? Mm. And so we looked at their intelligence. We looked at their, uh, their personality traits. We looked even at their skill sets. And one thing kept surfacing over and above everything else. Didn't matter what job it was. Didn't matter what industry it was. We discovered that a person with a higher level of emotional resilience was much more likely to succeed than other people. But when we looked at what is exactly emotional resilience, let's define it for a minute. Yeah. It's a person's ability to bounce back from adversity with greater speed and agility and even leverage that adversity. So turn it into an advantage, do something good with it. And so that is my history. And basically, after I sold my, my business, my my. my simulation-based assessment business, mm -hmm. I ended up getting hired for, uh, for a, the position of VP of marketing for a coaching company. Oh. And so I was very excited because I thought, wow, this is really kind of my destiny. It completely corresponds with who I am, my values. Uh, but when I went in, I wasn't quite a good fit. Why? Because I'm an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs right. don't do a good job of working for other people, for starters. So it's kind of like a fish out of water in that sense. But I also, I had a chance to observe how they did coaching. And as I observed, I kind of thought, gee, I think they're doing it wrong. I, <laughs> I think that you know, they're trying to really make an impact on the lives of people, but there's something fundamentally wrong with their approach. And I think I could do it better. So let's go back. What was their approach? Yeah. What were they focusing on? Yeah. So what they tried to do is help people reach their goals by helping them create plans, even business plans, and breaking those plans down into kind of manageable components mm -hmm. and holding people accountable to each part in the plan. So they would have a call every two weeks and essentially, what did you get done? Right? That was the conversation. And for me, I saw what they were doing and I understood intellectually what they were going after. But inside of me instinctively, I thought, you know what? If I put 50 people in a room and ask them to, to, to design a plan, 
to help them meet their goals, they could probably do it. The right. bigger question is, why aren't they doing it? What's really standing in their way of doing the, the things they need to do in order to reach their goals? There's something else at play. It has to do with their thinking, maybe their emotional resilience. And so, did you have a question? No, no, I'm <laughs> getting very interested. I have lots of questions as you're speaking, but I want to let you finish. So, so what I did is I said, you know what, what would it look like if instead of creating plans and holding people accountable to the plans and kind of making sure they do what they need to do, what if we could get inside their heads? And what if we could really understand how they think and how their thinking is impacting their ability to do what they think they should be doing? Like what's standing in the way? What are the beliefs they have about themselves, about the task at hand, about their goals, about their readiness, about their skill sets, about what they even mean in the world? Like what are their beliefs and how do their beliefs impact them? And so that is the, the kind of the framework or the starting point for me launching Frame of Mind Coaching. What I wanted to do is I wanted to make a substantive difference in the lives of people by helping them think in ways that would help them norm naturally and easily take action that would help them reach their goals. And so from the get-go, from the get-go, you know, I formed a group of coaching clients mm -hmm. and I asked them to journal. The reason I asked them to journal was so that I could see how they think and how their thinking was really truly impacting their ability to get to where they wanted to go. So your, your, the methodology you came up with where you are focusing on their thinking, not on their actions, stem from having a job at this place, identifying what they're doing, and then kind of massaging that and looking at them and saying, well, that's not really getting to the core of why they're not doing what they're doing or what they, what they should be or want to be doing. Correct. Or getting and them to the next level. Also combine that with my background uh, running this assessment company and understanding like if emotional resilience is the key to, to greater performance, uh -huh. what, what would it be like if I built a, co a coaching company that really reinforced and helped people develop a strong sense of emotional resilience? I think it would be a game changer, right? So rather than focusing on their actions, let's focus on their thinking and let them think in ways that allow them to handle their failures, their disappointments with greater ease and let them rise up fast and move along. Mm, okay. And so let's talk about the accountability model for, for a moment. Um, so you were saying the company you're working for, they were really looking at that. Uh, their coaching model was accountability. So here's your homework. Did you get it done? Why didn't you? Blah, blah, blah. So right. tell me what you think about uh, the accountability model in coaching. Does it work? So in, again, I'm going to focus exclusively on coaching. So in the coaching world, my opinion, and I'll explain why, is that the accountability model is unethical at best and detrimental at worst. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So for me as a coach, my job is to help people get to a place of independence. What does accountability do? Accountability says, hey, I'm going to be your accountability coach. And I'm going to make sure you do what you need to do. So what happens when it works? Great. People move forward sure. and you know, they're answering to someone. But then what happens when the coach is removed? So what they've actually built is not a formula for independence. They've right. built a formula for dependence. 
And from my perspective, that's not so ethical. Right. Not so right. ethical, right? Because what I really want is for people to take action because they want to take action, because they are motivated to take action, because they are inspired to take action, not because they have to answer to someone. Right. And so what you've done is you're looking behind that and trying to understand their thinking as to why they're not reaching their goals. What is preventing them from moving forward? And so you really focus on their beliefs. What do they believe to be true? Is that correct? So let's go one step further. Okay. Okay. So so that's why it's unethical. But now why might it be detrimental? Because if someone comes for coaching, Mm -hmm. a lot of times they're coming because there's something in their lives that they're not able to do or reach or achieve on their own. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. So could be anything, could be a promotion, could be a higher level of revenue in their business, could be weight loss, could be a better relationship at home. doesn't matter. They're not able to achieve it at home. And they come in for coaching and now we impose the accountability model. Here are the three things you need to do this week. Well, if they weren't doing those things on their own, and now let's just say they still don't do those things. They came in feeling bad. How do they feel now that the coach is holding them accountable and they're still not achieving or getting those things done? How do they feel? Even worse. Yeah. And also under pressure, also thinking that they've got to get their, their homework back to their coach in time or... You know, they might be viewed as, you know, not working hard enough or whatever those beliefs might whatever be. Whatever those well, right? beliefs may be. But I, I feel bad on my own. Now I've spent a bunch of money and I'm supposed to answer to this coach. And now how do I feel? I feel even worse. Right. So to me, the whole purpose of coaching is to help someone feel better. So the accountability model threatens that concept. Got it. Right. And to me, yeah. to me, that's potentially detrimental. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. the coaching world, you know, who am I that someone should answer to me? My job isn't to create a structure where someone is answering to me. My job is to create a structure that allows someone to thrive and doesn't need to answer to me. They should answer to themselves. They've Correct. got to figure out their own stuff and Correct. you help guide them. 100%. Okay. They're not here in this relationship to please me. No, of course not. Although right? some might be. <laughs> Okay. That's really interesting. I like that. So I'm going to start off with a journal entry that we got from, uh, from one of our past clients. And I thought it was really interesting. So here we go. Uh, I am an entrepreneur who has had the best year since I opened my company in 2010. And I've worked really long and hard to get where I am. The challenge I'm having is that I can't ever get work off my mind. I like to spend time with my family, but my wife complains that I'm not really present. How can I enjoy where I'm at without being so distracted and worried with work since financially everything is on my shoulders? Okay. So, you know, when, when you read a journal, for me, the words that are in the journal are really, really important. So the wife says, you're not present. Okay. That's the wife's interpretation. The question right. becomes, is that true? And according to this particular journaler, It sounds like it is true because he can't get work off his mind. Now the question is why? Well, he's worried about work. Okay, the word worry is very important, very critical here. Mm -hmm. So what does worry mean? When someone's worrying, what's actually happening? It means that they're anticipating a negative outcome. They're imagining in their head that something's going to go bad or wrong or, you know, something's going to fall through the, the cracks. And so their imagination is creating that experience. 
You know what's really interesting is if your imagination can create a negative experience and a negative expectation, your imagination can equally create a positive experience. Absolutely. Right? And so right. now the question becomes like, wh what's going on? Why does he believe that a negative outcome will happen? What is that reason? Because that's the source of this whole entire problem, right? So uh -huh, he's uh -huh. anticipating something bad happening. That and hasn't so even happened yet. Well, in fact, evidence suggests that good things are happening, right? So the right. question is, where does that come from? And that's the question that needs to be addressed because our expectations come from the beliefs we have over and over and over again, right? Like when we have a belief, oh, you know, the shoe's going to fall or the shoe's going to, you know, something bad's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So if we're wired that way, we need to get to the seed of that wiring and unwire it. Okay. Right? And, and and reinforce this gentleman and help him understand that he's in control of his thinking and his beliefs and help him trade up those beliefs for something that's more useful both to his business and to his family. Right, right. So it sounds like to me his belief is that you know, everything's on his shoulders financially and, and God forbid something happens to the business or he doesn't get the next job and then how he's going to pay the bills. So he's, he feels under pressure, but so could he pivot his thinking and instead of worrying about what might happen, think about, Oh, we're going to get this next client or I'm excited to meet this next person who's reached out to us. It could be a good deal. Like flipping that kind of so here, how it would is. he, how would he yeah. change his thinking? Yeah. So what you're talking about is say, Hey, you know, instead of thinking about the disaster might, that might happen, you know, think positively. Well, it's not always that easy for people to think positively, right. positively when they're in a state of fear and worry. And so right. the question is, what is your fear? What is your worry? Let's put it on the table and let's address it in one of two ways. Number one is let's put in some structures to help you not worry so much. So for example, if he feels the weight of the world is on his shoulders alone, what can we put in place that will distribute that responsibility? What can we do that will help him feel like maybe he's not the only one responsible for sales? So what kind of structures, what kind of programs, what kind of people, what kind of resources mm. can we put in on the scene that will help him release that stress? So one is a tactical approach. The second question that we would have is, so if his thinking is causing the worry, I don't want him to go from, you know, feeling worried to thinking life is great. Because that's right. a bit of a stretch. A so the question is, what's the next step? Hey, you know what? Things are going pretty well. You know, we had a good week. Right? So, okay. And what I'm asking him to do is really pay attention to how his thinking is creating the worry or the emotional state that he's in. And mm -hmm. help him understand that his thinking can also create a little bit of calm. Right. So it's really being aware, him being aware and identify what he's thinking in the moment where he feels that worry. It's almost stopping himself and going, wait a second, what am I thinking about right now that is causing this negative feeling? Right. What exactly then, is the fear? What exactly right. is the worry? And is that fear even true? Does it even have any basis in reality? Right. 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 So here, okay. here's an interesting thing, right? I yeah. talked about he uses his imagination to imagine to imagine a negative outcome and he can use his imagination to imagine a positive outcome. Here's the thing is we, all of us, not just him, you, me, all of us, anybody who's listening, we make up stories. And those stories 
will determine how we feel. So when we make up a story of disaster or impending doom, we don't feel so good. And so the idea is that if we have the capacity to make up stories, start to pay attention to the stories we're making up and start to choose better stories, even slightly better stories. And even challenging the story that you're creating and asking yourself, is this really true? Or am I just like off into, you know, right. La la land and, right. and just fearing the worst. Exactly. I'll give you an example. One of my clients wrote in her journal, nobody cares about me. That it's was a pretty a broad statement. It's a pretty broad statement. And that's yeah. how she was feeling in the moment. And she's entitled to feel that way. Sure. But the question is, is that actually true? Right. right. Is that actually true? And her response was, well, it's not so true. What I want is better relationships. Okay. That's, that's different from nobody cares about me. So even challenging your beliefs actually gives you clarity on what you're really thinking and feeling in that moment. Sure. Sure. One of the questions I encourage my clients to ask themselves is, well, what exactly do you want? I find that's a really hard question to answer for a lot of people. Yes, because they're very focused on what's not working. I'll give you another example. I just got off a phone call with a client and her and her husband are kind of like, you know, there's a little friction there. Mm -hmm. And what she does is she tells him what she doesn't like about what he's doing. Right? So she's focusing on what she doesn't want. Exactly. And she says, well, what do you mean? Am I supposed to ignore the behavior I don't like? And I say, yes. And she's shocked. How can I ignore it? How will he know that I don't like it? Right? right? Isn't that just reinforcing his behavior? And now we have to get into the concept or the conversation about what does reinforcement really mean. But the bottom line is what I want, what I encourage her to do is focus on what you want, focus on what's working, focus on what's good and right, and only focus on that. And when something comes your way that is less than good and right, don't give it your energy. So flip it and focus what you with what you want from that situation, not what you're getting, which is which might be something that you don't want. Not fo- right. Focus on what's working. Which work? Focus on, and that applies to leadership too, right? Mm-hmm. What do leaders yeah. tend to focus on? Leaders tend to focus on what their employees that are doing that is not quite up to par. What we right. want to do is start focusing on what's working. Focus on what's right. Leverage strengths instead of trying to fix weaknesses. Right. So instead of saying, don't do that, or I don't like that, you need to flip the language and say, I like it when, or this pleases me. Yes. Or here's what we're looking to do. Here's where we're going. Here's where we're moving to. Here's near, here's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. That's great. I love that. Okay. I have a second journal here. Wow. Yeah. We have a lot of entries. Uh, okay. So this is from a woman, uh, and it's about her and her girlfriend. So I have a girlfriend who I adore, but she is constantly giving me her opinion when I'm telling a story about, well, really anything. Uh, it's quite frustrating and I'm having a really hard time telling her that I didn't ask for her opinion and to stop pushing hers onto me without it sounding rude or mean. So I guess I don't want to upset her or for her to think that I'm being rude or not nice by asking her to just stop. Uh, she's pretty frustrated. What, would, so this, what kind of advice would exactly, you give her? This is exactly the conversation we had a couple of seconds ago, right? Focus on what you want, not on what you don't. So don't tell her to stop. Say, thank you for listening to my whole story. I appreciate it. 
But what if she keeps going on and on and always giving her opinion and just throwing, well, I wouldn't do that. And I would do this instead. And it's, you, you can say, I'm going to tell you a story and I want you to listen to the whole thing. And at the end, I want to hear what you think, but listen to the whole story first. What if the person doesn't want her opinion? What if she just, what if she's just venting and wants to share and she doesn't want that personal tell her what you're looking for? Hey, I am needing you to just listen. So it's just really about being clear on your wants up front. Also, you know what? You don't have control over the other person's behavior, right? True. So if she gives you her opinion, why is that the reason for you to get frustrated? Why is that the reason for you to get angry and upset? That is who she is. That is how she is. So you have choices too. You can pay attention to what she's doing. You can use that as your reason for being frustrated and angry and out of sorts. Or you can say, or you can stop sharing. Or you can stop sharing, right? Like you have choices too. You know, it's very interesting. A lot of people feel trapped where yeah. they are, trapped yeah. in relationships, trapped in a dynamic. And they think, well, you know, it takes two to tango. It requires this other person to change in order for me to be happy. And the, and the truth is it doesn't take two to tango. It only takes one. And the, Why? Minute, the minute that your behavior when two people are dancing, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Two people are dancing and they're in this dance. The minute that somebody changes the dance, this person has the, the choice to walk away or dance this way too. Okay. Okay. So, so you dance your dance, dance your happy dance. Don't stop dancing your happy dance. Do what pleases you. And what happens is you'll attract people who want to dance the way you do. That's it. Right. That's how and it works. It- and if, they, and if they don't want to do the dance with you, then it's not so bad if they fall to the wayside because maybe there's no commonality there or connection okay. there. Right. And it's okay. But what happens is when you're focused on your happy dance and not the fact that nobody's dancing with you and this person walked away from your dance, right. when you're focused on your happy dance, other happy dancers join you. Right. And you're happy. And you're happy. Right. Right? Excellent. And so we spend so much time and energy trying to, trying to control the actions of other people. We do. Them what we don't want and allowing their actions to frustrate us and get under our skin. So much wasted energy. Focus yeah. on what you want. Focus on what's working. And or focus on the relationships that do bring you joy and satisfaction. That's it. Awesome. I love it. It sounds so simple. It's, it's simple. It takes a little muscle, takes a little practice. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, that's great. So if any of you listeners want to learn how to challenge your own beliefs and get what you want in your life. And do the happy dance. And do the happy dance. Yes. Then uh, feel free to uh, check us out at www.frameofmindcoaching.com. Lots of great resources there, podcasts, blogs. And uh, we offer complimentary coaching calls. I'd love to speak with you. 